Chapter Twenty One of the Mark and More Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Arrest. A period of tense silence followed on this bold declaration, ended at last by a shuffling of feet and a succession of dry, deprecating coughs. Then a voice came out of the smoke-laden depths of a far corner. "'Tis all very well to say as how this here is a free country," remarked the voice. "'But I do allow as tain't so free as that a man may call murder agin a woman. That there be what they call libel and slander. What folks goes to us is for. It be a punishable matter that. I count as how you get yourself into sore tribulation, Bill Carver.' If so be as you do go up and down, a-sayin' that Mistress Braxfield her did murder at poor young muster Guy, so you will. Ain't a-sayin' as how her did murder he, retorted Bill Carver. What I says is that tis my belief as how her did shoot he did. Main different matter. Might a been done accidental-like. Oh, if it twas accidental-like. "'Tis a vastly different circumstance,' said the correcting voice. "'There been a deal of serious and bloody murders done accidental, I do allow. "'But it seems strange if this here catastrophe been brought about, I that way. "'Mistress Braxfield, she say nothing o' that so far. "'Tain't likely as her would,' declared Bill Carver. "'Her more sense.' Ain't no occasion as I knows on for any man or woman to go for to accuse theirselves a terrible doings. Wouldn't be a common sense thing for anybody as that happened to come forward and say as they done it. Ain't Christian conduct for anybody to walk into a trap with his eyes open, I do reckon. Tis very true, assented another wiseacre. No, I don't count as how any well-disposed law-abiding citizen have any call to criminate hisself. Tis again religion and nature, which is powerful commodities. No, I reckon that if Mistress Braxfield done this accidental-like with that pistol what Bill Carver referred to, she say to herself, well, she say, this here is a sad misfortune to happen to me but I ain't no call to tell about it, she say, and then, of course, she say nothing. That be the way of it, common sense-like. And we all knows that accidents does happen to the meekest of us. Accidental happen to I, if I don't get home along, remarked Bill Carver with a laugh. As he rose from his corner and made for the door, my old woman, she do have supper ready nine o'clock Sunday nights, and if I ain't to the minute, she'll let me hear the sound of her tongue. I bid ye all a good night. He strode out amidst a chorus of farewells, but stopped in the hall, pulled up by a tap on his arm, and turned to find Blick at his elbow. A word with you, said Blick. Come in here. He led Carver into his sitting-room and closed the door. "'You know what I am, Carver,' he went on in a low voice. 
a detective. Very well. Now, I heard what you said in there. Is it true that you've seen Mrs. Braxfield shooting at things with a pistol early of a morning? True enough, master, replied Carver. I seen her do that more than once. Been working up in they woods all this winter and spring, I have, and gone to my work uncommon early since the mornings got light. I seen Mistress Braxfield out about her house now and again, taking a pop at they foxes. There's a wealth of them varmints up there, and I did hear her say as they was a ways at her chickens. Oh, I, I seen her with her pistol. You didn't see her last Tuesday morning, the morning Mr. Guy was shot? I didn't, master, cause I wasn't in them parts at all that day. I was over t'other side of Gray Closter, two miles off. He paused regarding the detective with knowing eyes. Don't want to make no trouble, master, he went on suddenly. But I could have said a deal more in there than what I did say. What? demanded Blick. If you know anything, tell it. Don't know anything particular, said Carver. But I said in there, accidental. Nor there is them in the village what says, on purpose. Do you mean that there are people in Mark and Moore who are saying that Mrs. Braxfield meant to shoot Mr. Guy? asked Blick. Is that it? That's it, master, replied Carver. They are saying it, some of em round about where I lives, on one mightborn road. But only since it come out that Mistress Braxfield's last young poppy be wed to Master Harry. When that comes out, the folk begin to talk same as I do tell ye. Ah, says they, that be the true color of it. Her shooted Master Guy so his poor brother could be Sir Harry, and that young damsel be my lady, Markinmore. So tis said they. Ain't no doubt on it. But you'll bear in mind, master, as how I don't say that. I do say her, very like, shooted him, accidental. Blick paid no attention to Carver's personal opinion. He was thinking of the common gossip. Are many of them saying that? He asked. Your neighbors, I mean? All of em's a-saying it, declared Carver. Down our way, you understand, far into the village. Them here chaps what you sees eye of the bar there, they belong to this end of the place. Us don't know what them thinking, but down along with us, that be the general talk. Her shooted Master Guy, so Master Harry, unbe Sir Harry, and the young girl unbe my lady. See, master? He paused again, and again gave the detective a shrewd, knowing look. Hers a sharp, spry female, Mistress Broxfield, he continued suddenly. I could tell ye more, nor that, only I ain't one for to get nobody into trouble. But so I could. If you know anything, you ought to tell it, said Blick. What do you mean now about Mrs. Braxfield? Well, master, I tells ye, said Carver after a pause. Maybe you didn't see I, but I was up at that crowner's quest what they held at the court. Mistress Braxfield, her went it into the witness box and gived evidence. Her said as how 
her seed master harborough at a certain place on the hillside from her chamber window at a certain time that tuesday morning master her didn't do nothing of that sort her couldn't see that place from her chamber window tis impossible i did help to build that there house of hers woodland cottage and from her chamber window you couldn't see that place where she said she did see master john but her could a seen it and him or whoever was there from somewhere else where very like her was where demanded blick bit of a spinney right against markinmore hollow answered carver where i seen her more than once a looking out for they foxes blick suddenly remembered his big ordnance survey map still pinned against the wall he led carver over to it and pointed out certain landmarks i seen a drawin like this afore master said carver old muster tompkins to beach farm he have one of them here framed in his parlor many's the time i've studied he when i've been waitin there for the old gentleman to give me my orders and i'll show ye what i do mean about what i say he pulled out a wooden match from his pocket and proceeded to point out places and trace lines on the map before him now here be woodland cottage master so plain written as never was and there be the spot where mistress braxfield do say she see mr harborough but as you see between them two places there be a rise of a bit of a hill her couldn't see through that no how could her no but now you comes along here as it med be from her house across the hillside to this here bit of spinney on the edge of markinmore hollow and you sees that from that her could see straight down to the place where she said she see mr harborough tis all visible so to speak from that there med be no doubt her did see mr harborough at that particular spot that morning but her didn't see him from her chamber window cause her couldn't if her seed him at all her seed him from that spinney where i assure ye i see her more than once poppin at they foxes did you ever see the pistol she used asked blick he was certain by then that at last he had got on a definite trail and he felt that he might as well pursue it seen it in her hand time and again replied carver blick suddenly produced the automatic pistol and held it out to his companion was that it he asked carver looked down at the exhibit with a flash of curiosity well he exclaimed if taint tis the very spittin image of that there what i sees her handle but they things be pretty much of a muchness i reckon master Blick put the automatic pistol back in his pocket and laid his hand on Carver's arm. Now look here, he said. Just you keep all this to yourself. There's a good man. Don't say a word about it to anybody, not even to your wife. I hope you won't get into trouble by being late for your supper. But silence now, not a word. I understand ye, master, responded Carver with a knowing grin and i ont go for to breathe a syllable till you tells i tis convenient 
Howsomever, do ye remember, master, as how what I says is? Accidentally, it med be. Ain't no sort of hands that shootin' off guns and pistols. Isn't women, as you knows. When Carver had departed into the night, Blick walked up and down his sitting-room for a good ten minutes, thinking. At the end of that time, he went up to his bedroom, got into an overcoat, and made ready for going out. Descending to the hall, he encountered Grimsdale, just entering the house. "'Late walk, Mr. Blick?' asked the landlord with a smile. "'Fine night, too.' "'I'm going into Selcaster,' replied Blick. "'And look here. I don't think I shall be back tonight.' I shall stay the night at the mitre. You'll see me sometime tomorrow morning. Grimsdale nodded in acquiescence and led his guest out, and Blick went away along the starlit road toward Sailcaster, still thinking, speculating, putting things together, and all his thoughts and speculations came to a point in Mrs. Braxfield. Mrs. Braxfield was in her tidy kitchen next morning at half-past eight o'clock, giving orders to the charwoman who always came to Woodland Cottage on Mondays, when a knock sounded on her front door. She opened the door herself and confronted Blick, the chief constable, and another man in plain clothes, but obviously a policeman. The three men, all watching her keenly, saw her start, frown, and turn pale but they affected to notice nothing unusual, and the chief constable's voice addressing her was polite and cheery. "'Good morning, Mrs. Braxfield,' he said. "'Just called to have a little chat with you, madam. May we come in?' Mrs. Braxfield turned back into the hall, and opening a door motioned her visitors into the room in which Blick had listened to Mr. Franz and Mary's story three nights previously. The plain clothesman, entering last, carefully closed the door and remained standing before it. "'What do you want?' demanded Mrs. Braxfield. The color had come back to her cheeks, and she was looking decidedly angry. Anger, too, was apparent in her voice. "'We want to have a talk to you about last Tuesday morning, Mrs. Braxfield,' replied the chief constable. "'Just a quiet talk between ourselves.' "'I'm not so sure about that between ourselves,' exclaimed Mrs. Braxfield with unmistakably asperity. "'It strikes me that some folk, when they say between ourselves, mean a good deal of the very opposite. "'I believe some of you—here she gave Blick an indignant glance—some of you have been talking about me behind my back. "'Here's my charwoman,' just come up from the village, and she said there's talk going on down there about me and the murder. Nay, there's more. They sayin' some of them that I had something to do with it. Did it myself. Some of them are saying straight out. Now where's all that originated, I should like to know. But I'll find out, and then I'll see what my lawyer has to say. Quite so, Mrs. Braxfield, agreed the chief constable. You'll be quite within your rights to do that if false rumors are being spread about you. But we've heard of these rumors, and we want to ask a few questions. I'm sure you'll see that it will be advisable for you to answer them. Eh, Mrs. Braxfield? 
Depends what they are, replied Mrs. Braxfield, still angry. I shall please myself. Well, the first thing is this, continued the chief constable, becoming somewhat sterner in manner. I'm afraid you didn't tell the exact truth at the inquest the other day. You said that you saw Mr. John Harborough at a certain spot on the hillside from your chamber window, your bedroom window. Now, Mrs. Braxfield, you couldn't see him at that place from your bedroom window. There's a rise of a hill between your house and that particular place. What have you to say to that? Mrs. Braxfield had paled again and started visibly at this and her lips compressed themselves for an instant. "'I did see him all the same,' she said sullenly. "'I might get mixed up about exactly where it was from, but—' "'Now where was it from?' asked the chief constable. "'Come, you can't have forgotten that, an important matter.' But Mrs. Braxfield's lips again compressed themselves, and in the middle of her pale cheeks red, angry spots began to show. If you won't speak, I'll refresh your memory, said the chief constable. Wasn't it from the edge of that little spinney near Markenmore Hollow? Come now. What if it was, retorted Mrs. Braxfield. What were you doing there at that time of the morning, asked the chief constable. That's my business, said Mrs. Braxfield with sudden defiance. What have you to do with it? The chief constable shook his head. Oh, well, he answered, if you're going to adopt that tone, Mrs. Braxfield, we must show our hand a little more openly. Now, Mrs. Braxfield, listen to me. We know certain things. You've been in the habit of going to that spinney or roundabout it very early of a morning to have a shot at foxes. The foxes, we hear, have given you trouble about your fowls. Is that so? What if it is, demanded Mrs. Braxfield. Do you think I'm going to have my valuable fowls and chickens carried off by foxes? I'm not. Not for all the hunting men in the country. So there. I wish I could shoot every fox that's running about. As it is, all I've done has been to frighten them. You can settle your affairs about the foxes with the master of foxhounds, Mrs. Braxfield said the chief constable good-humoredly. It's a truly awful crime to shoot a fox, in the opinion of hunting people, but it's one that doesn't come within police regulations. But now, Mrs. Braxfield, what did you use in shooting at the foxes? Was it a rifle, or a sporting gun, or a revolver, or was it an automatic pistol? Come, Mrs. Braxfield looked from one face to another. Three pairs of eyes were fixed firmly upon her. "'Who's been telling you all this?' she suddenly exclaimed. "'Who's been—' "'It was an automatic pistol, wasn't it?' persisted the chief constable. "'Come now, Mrs. Braxfield, why not answer straight out?' "'What if it was?' muttered Mrs. Braxfield." Then it was. Very well. Now then, continued the chief constable, where did you get it? Mrs. Braxfield, who until then had been standing by the table in the center of the room, facing her three visitors, suddenly sat down in the nearest chair, folded her hands on her lap, 
looked calmly from one to the other. Look here, she said quietly, finally fixing her eyes on the chief constable. You no doubt think you're being very plain and outspoken and all that, but if you want any information out of me, you'll have to be a good deal plainer. And I'll tell you straight out that you're not going to get me to incriminate myself. I haven't said that I had any automatic pistol. You said, was it an automatic pistol that I used to scare the foxes? I replied, what if it was? That isn't saying that it was, or that I ever had one. I'm willing to give any information that I can, but you're treating me with suspicion, and I'm not going to be forced into any admission that might be damaging. Damaging to me and to others, very likely. You treat me fair and... Mrs. Braxfield, broke in the chief constable, we've no wish for anything else than to treat you fairly, but we know certain things, and we're bound to ask you for some explanation. Now, as you ask me to be more explicit, I will. I may as well tell you that an automatic pistol has been found. The chief constable stopped suddenly. Mrs. Braxfield, taken unawares, had turned pale to the lips, and her hands tightened. She started palpably. Found, she exclaimed. Found, Mrs. Braxfield, said the chief constable sternly. I needn't ask you if you have any idea as to where it was found. I think you have. Now that automatic pistol has, of course, a mark and a number, and it has been identified by a gunsmith in Selcaster as one that he sold comparatively recently to Mr. Harry Markinmore, your son-in-law. Now, Mrs. Braxfield, we know beyond any question that you have been in the habit of using an automatic pistol of that particular sort to scare or shoot foxes. Be candid. Was the pistol that you've been using given to you by Mr. Harry Markinmore, the pistol that is now in our possession? Come! Mrs. Braxfield sat silent for a while. Now and then she looked at her questioner. Now and then at the rings on her fingers, which she was mechanically turning round and round. It seemed a long time before she spoke, but when she did, it was to the accompaniment of an unusual dogged and defiant look. "'I'm not going to say another word,' she said." Bear you in mind, all of you, that I've admitted nothing. The chief constable glanced at Blick and sighed, the sigh of a man upon whom an unpleasant duty is forced, much against his will. Very well, Mrs. Braxfield, he said quietly. Then there's nothing else for it. You'll have to come with us. Do you mean that you're going to take me to Selcaster? asked Mrs. Braxfield with suspicious calmness. All right, and you'll be more than sorry for it, as you'll see. Very well. I suppose I can go upstairs and make ready. No, said the chief constable, not out of my sight now. You've a woman in the house. You can ring for her and tell her to get all you want. Then we've a cab outside. Ah, remarked Mrs. Braxfield maliciously. You're only doing what you meant to do. All right, Mr. Chief Constable and the other two of you, you'll be sorry for this. 
but the chief constable silently motioned to Blick to ring the bell for the charwoman. End of chapter 21